This is the Austin Life Church podcast. For more information, please visit us at austinlifechurch.com. Welcome to Austin Life. My name is Mike. I'm one of the pastors here. Okay, well, that's, now we're applauding. Oh, that's nice. Um, so we're wrapping up a series today on the fullness of life. Taylor, did you have a question? What did you have a did you hand up? A question? No, I'm just stretching. Okay, that's great. Um, we're wrapping up a series called The Fullness of Life today. Uh, we believe the fullness of life is found in Jesus, and that's why our mission as a church is to love God, love others, and lead people to the fullness of life uh, found in Jesus. So we're going to be in Philippians 3, if you want to turn with me in your Bibles. If you don't have one with you this morning, we have plenty in the back we'd love to give away. Um, this would be a great time to grab one, and if you have a friend, someone who doesn't have a copy of the scriptures, please grab one, give it to them, early Christmas gift. Uh, we just want to get a copy of the scriptures in everyone's hands. Uh, we believe it is 100% perfect. The Bible will always be our authority as a church, and that it will equip us along the way and make us uh, complete. So Philippians 3. So to give a little context here, we have Paul who wrote uh, Philippians. If we remember it all, he was Saul before becoming Paul. He persecuted Christians in the past. He had an encounter with Jesus along the way, ended ended up repenting, turning from his sins, and then he became a follower of Jesus himself. So then he became Paul. He wrote most of the New Testament Uh, filled with different letters to these local churches. So here in Philippi to this church, that's what the book of Philippians is about. He's encouraging them. He's reminding them of humility and spurring them on to love and good works, all while being imprisoned and persecuted himself. Uh, It's pretty convicting as he's in prison, he's writing a letter of encouragement to the church. I don't think any of us have really been there. So we're picking up right in the middle of chapter three. So turn with me to uh, Philippians 3, 12. And we're going to read up to chapter 4, verse 1. So 3.12 through 4.1. Oh, there goes the air. Okay, well, it's going to get a little hot in here, so be prepared for some sweat. All right, so (laughs) not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained— Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body, by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Let's pray. God, would you open up our eyes, our minds, our heart 
today to, to know what you're teaching us out of your word. We need your wisdom and discernment to what you had Paul write here for us. I believe it's not a coincidence any of us are here, any of us are in the overflow, overflow room, any of us are watching or listening. Holy Spirit, would you move in our hearts today and move us towards obedience and take the next step uh, that you have for us. And so just be with, uh, just guide our time. Help me be faithful to convey the words you want me to say uh, this morning. And we just want to glorify you in what we do. Uh, we love you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. So Paul here is actually giving us a picture of spiritual maturity. Once we believe and trust in Jesus and choose to follow him, it's kind of, okay, where do we go from there? What happens after day one? Uh, how we actually grow in Christ. In verse 12, that terminology where we say press on, that comes from the Greek word uh, dioko. It's kind of meaning to run after, kind of picturing someone running in a race, um, just pursuing. It's an active pursuit. And so we can learn from that. When we follow Jesus, it's a proactive, active pursuit of a posture we take every day. It's not like a sitting back, kind of reactive type of a passive approach. There's activity for us um, in our walk. And so we've talked a lot about the fullness of life over the past five, six weeks or so. Um, what we have to put off, kind of what we have to put on, how to strive towards Jesus and the abundant life he has to offer us. And with all of that, sometimes it feels a little overwhelming. Kind of sometimes feels like that's a lot, there's a lot of things there. Like, okay, I got to put off this, I got to put on this, and I do this, and I strive, and like, where do I look, and what do I do? And then that's not even on top of what's going on around us right now with, I mean, gosh, you can call it whatever, COVID, the election, job loss, flu season, finals coming up, right, the end of the year in general, 2020 as a whole, good riddance to 2020. But who knows what 2021 is going to bring. Let's hope maybe a little milder. That'd be good. But with all that, I mean, if we're honest on any given day, we find ourselves pretty overwhelmed. So, like, what do we, what do, we do with that? How do we actually press on? And so I think this passage gives us five ways I want to share how we press on towards the goal of Christ. So this is a great time to take some notes here in your worship guide, conveniently located in your seats. Um, so five ways we press on towards the goal of Christ. Uh, the first one, I believe, is to humbly acknowledge that you haven't arrived. So to humbly acknowledge that you haven't arrived. If Paul says himself, and he wrote two-thirds of the New, the New Testament, that he hasn't arrived, I mean, come on, surely we haven't either, right? If we're going to be honest. None of us have. Every, everything's got to start with humility here. We can't save ourselves. We needed Jesus for that. We can't even take a breath that we're taking right now, right? We're not even producing that ourselves. God is sustaining us for that. So if we can't save ourselves and we can't even breathe ourselves, then really how can we think we can do anything without Jesus, right? To humbly acknowledge that we haven't arrived. Because when we do that, we realize not only does it bring out humility in us to grow more like Christ, our view of others changes dramatically. We'll be less critical of other people, right? We'll think a lot more about the words or posts that we do on social media differently before we say that or post that. We'll see evidences of grace in others or extend grace out more frequently to others. And along the way, we'll grow in our walk with the Lord because we're realizing th the further we follow Jesus, the more we need him every single day. 
And so we gotta start with humility. So humbly acknowledge that we haven't arrived. Uh, the next one, number two, is passionately pursue a greater knowledge of Christ. So I feel like a lot of us can identify pretty good with the first one because we're like, well, none of us are really perfect. Um, but sometimes, since we say we're not perfect, we use that sometimes as an excuse for complacency or apathy. And we either look down on ourselves thinking, okay, you know what, I'm never going to get this right anyway. I'm not perfect. So we just throw our arms up and we're like, what difference does this make? Like, I'll just get there someday. Like when Jesus returns, in the meantime, blah, blah, blah. So Paul talks about this pursuit in verses 13 and 14, how we put off and put on, and then we press on, like we pursue. There's a lot of athletic imagery kind of used all over the Bible when it talks about the Christian life. So just proving the point following Jesus is anything but passive. Uh, 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27 says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. And then in Hebrews 12, 1 through 2, it says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. If we want to grow in maturity, we've got to have passion and discipline, right? We have to train ourselves. We, we have to make an effort. So not an effort to earn our salvation. We know Jesus has made that effort for us. But it's an effort to keep pursuing Christ along the way, right? It says Paul, he forgets what's behind him, just completely forgets it, doesn't even look back, and he strains for what's ahead, any runner knows, I'm not a big runner. I don't know how many of you are runners. I hear it's really healthy for you. It's really horrible to do, but still, I'm trying to run myself a lot more. I'm still working off some holiday weight of 2013, but it, any runner knows as you run, okay, you can't, here, I'll just do this example. This is acting classes. So when you're running, okay, you can't look back. If you're running, you're looking back, or you're looking down, or you're looking all right, you're going to run into something. You're clearly going to be distracted as you're running. You've got to be looking ahead for what you're going towards. You can't run this race if you're going to be distracted. There's some different distractions that pop up for us. This is a big one. Our past does, does not have to determine our future. We all, we all have a past, and some harder than others. I, I, I get that. But that doesn't project or determine where we're going doesn't have to. If you think about Paul, his past, he literally was involved killing Christians, and he can forget what lies behind, and lies behind, and he can strain ahead. So it's not only our past, we also don't have to live in our past achievements. So it's not just maybe a hard past, it's things like, you know what, I've shared the gospel before, I did that one time when I first became a believer. I've read through the Bible. I've done the one-year plan on January, things like that. I've memorized this passage. I've, I've even attended quite a bit of church events. 
right? We can sometimes get stuck in our past achievements, and then we get distracted from straining ahead. So it's kind of like pulling an Uncle Rico. So kind of stuck in your past achievements, you're stuck in your high school glory days. We don't want to pull an Uncle Rico, if anyone knows who he is. And if you don't, it's fine. But just like the runner, so when we're running, we can't focus on our past achievements, failures. We got to forget it. We forget what lies behind while we run. We fix our eyes ahead on the finish line on Jesus. So we humbly acknowledge that we haven't arrived. We passionately pursue a greater knowledge of Christ. And then we follow cross-centered, heavenly-minded examples. I know that's kind of a mouthful there. So follow cross-centered, heavenly-minded examples. Listen, it matters who you walk with and who you follow. We've got to look around. We've got to take stock of the, who those people are, who we're walking with, who we're getting wisdom from, who we're choosing to do life side-by-side side with. It's said on average we become like the five closest people we spend our time with. So Proverbs 13.20 says, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. So just think about that for a second. Think about who are those around you that you spend the most time with, right? How do they walk? Do they put needs of others ahead of their own, right? Do they grumble and complain a lot, or do they carry out godly marriages, godly parenting? Are they generous? Do they pour out their lives for the sake of the gospel? Think of maybe just the five closest people you're doing life with, and how do they walk? And if you don't have anyone in your life like that, that's okay. So just seek them out. Start asking questions. Look for those who are regularly doing those things. They're reading scripture. They're praying. They're giving. They're loving others. They're sharing the gospel themselves. Just get with them. Just observe them. I mean, it, I know it may sound a little weird. You should be like, hey, can I just hang out with you and just kind of, maybe you don't say hang out with you and watch you. That'd be a little weird. <laughs> That's bad. Maybe just hang out. Just go hang out and have coffee. That's a bad example. So as you continue, what's going to happen if you have those people around you, they're spurring you on, as you develop your own virtues and values and passions, you're going to pass that on to others. You'll be that person for someone else. Paul was saying to walk with those types of people, and not in this context, he's saying not the ones who are pretenders and who are earthly-minded people. Whoever these people are, they make some sort of profession of Christian faith, but in reality, they actually oppose the gospel. They serve their lustful appetites. They seek only to please self. They enjoy and celebrate what actually offends God, all the while they're just focused on earthly things. Now, here's kind of the convicting part. Paul, he doesn't despise these enemies of the cross. It says in the passage he, he actually sheds tears over them. He's that moved for them. It should grieve us ourselves and move us towards prayer and loving people well. So we humbly acknowledge we haven't arrived passionately pursue a greater knowledge of Christ, follow cross-centered, heavenly-minded people or examples, and remember your citizenship is in heaven. Paul reminds us of where our real home is. For those of us who follow Jesus, it's not here. We're ultimately not staying here forever. But we should be giving this world a glimpse of what the future is like. Very simple, meeting needs for each other, taking care of each other, speaking with edifying words towards each other. That's a big one right now. Outdoing one another and showing honor. Another one showing no partiality or racism. Putting people ahead of us. 
It is a powerful testimony to our world right now that desperately needs this. C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity, he said, if you read history, you'll find that the Christians who did the most for the present world were just those who thought most of the next. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this. Bad examples set their minds on earthly things, but faithful examples live in light of their true citizenship. Right, bad examples set their minds on earthly things. You're just kind of thinking about that more than anything else. It's basically taking the place of God in your day-to-day life. Faithful examples live in light of their true citizenship. Hebrews 12, 2, like we read earlier, says, Run with endurance, fix your eyes on Jesus, so when he returns, we don't have to regret anything. We can know everything was worth it and walk with confidence knowing we're actually closer today than we were yesterday on Jesus returning, on coming back. And he's coming back. And we can look forward to that with encouragement. So the last one coming up here, we humbly acknowledge we haven't arrived, passionately pursue a greater knowledge of Christ, follow cross-centered, heavenly-minded examples, remember our citizenship is in heaven, and the last one, never lose the wonder of the gospel. I've been more convicted on this than anything else, and I think this is the one we have to reflect on more than anything. We can't move on from the gospel. If you stop and think about it, just give yourself a second, get a glimpse of remembering who you were before Christ. Remember everything God has saved you from, what it felt like on day one. The hard part is right now we can think about it. We have some space here. It's like 10 seconds we're thinking about it. But then five minutes later, we just move on. We just move on throughout our day. We could even hear, and I'm guilty of this, we can read or hear about the gospel, even sitting here and do that, and just kind of go, yeah, okay, blah, the gospel, I understand. Like, I've, I hear this every week. And we don't necessarily disagree with the content but it's because we've heard it so many times, we forget in the process just how impactful it still is for our lives today. The gospel is not just for unbelievers, it's also for Christians. We can't move on from the gospel, but instead we gotta move deeper into the gospel. We talk about the fullness of life, the fullness of life is found in Jesus. These things we gotta put off and put on. The only thing that's actually gonna motivate us every single day to actually want to do this, it, I, I believe, is the gospel. It's the only thing that's going to last, that's going to keep us going. There's a song called Mercy by I'd like 20 different Christian artists. I don't know who the original artist is, but part of it, I think it's the bridge, bridge, right? Yep, there it is. Thanks, Stephen. The bridge it says, may I never lose the wonder. Oh, the wonder of your mercy. May I sing your hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Right? May I never lose the wonder. Oh, the wonder of your mercy. May I sing your hallelujah. Hallelujah, amen. Tim Keller talks about the gospel, how it's not the ABCs to Christianity, but rather the A to Z. It's everything. And to be completely honest, 
and I'm with, I'm with all of you here. I think one of the big reasons that we move on is we see it out of, a, out of kind of a duty or a task to remember the gospel. It's kind of one of the things on our many task list, and it just gets pushed down to the bottom. It's just a lack of a priority sometimes. And I think it's just because we don't really want to grow in community. We're better off being completely honest to just say, you know what, there are days I don't want to. Like, I, I don't want the gospel to be uh, the priority in my life today. Like, we've got to be honest enough to confess there are times we can see by the way we live our lives, we just don't want to. doesn't mean we're horrible people, but we've got to be able to call that out. I think if we reflect on it, if we remind ourselves every day that we've actually been saved for all eternity and just of what Jesus has done for us, we have the best chance for it to generate the want to do this, the want for the fullness of life. Like it in theory sounds great. We want the fullness of life, but in reality in our days, we don't really want the fullness of life. We just kind of want to just get through the next day. But what's going to generate that actual desire for more of God himself? And I think that's going to start in the gospel. We make time for what matters most. We strive towards what we really want. We'll put out all the effort we can for the things that are most important to us. And so I think we got to reflect on that. Remember who you were before Jesus, the way that you used to live. Just think about it. Who were you before? Remember day one, that forgiveness and weight of sin that fell off of your shoulders. And then remember how much you and I still sin and we know the gospel and we're still forgiven. This is incredible. It should move the needle for us. And if it's not moving the needle, we got to sit with it a little bit longer until it's moving the needle. That means we're moving on too fast. And if you don't follow Jesus today, I recognize there may be some of you who don't. He's calling you. There's a reason you're here today. It's not coincidence. Whether you're in this room, in the overflow, you're watching or listening, choose to believe him today and follow him for the rest of your life. Never lose the wonder of the gospel. Let's watch this video really quick.
Listen, Jesus really did come here and live a perfect life. It actually really happened. A perfect and sinless life. And he legitimately died on the cross for all of yours, mine, everyone's past, our past, our present. and our future sins. This actually happened. There's evidence all over the place. And we can choose to believe in him and follow him for the rest of our lives and we find new life in him. We really will and do experience forgiveness. You've gotta remember We can't move on from this. Every day. We have enough time. There's a lot going on, I get it. But we have enough time. We can't afford to not have time to remember. And if you don't follow Jesus today, you pray today pray today and say, Jesus, I believe. I believe this actually happened. I believe in you and I want to repent for my sins. It just means turning from your sins. I want to stop sinning and I do want to experience life in you today. That's it. There's no pressure on your shoulders. I had something happen to me this week. It's never happened before. And uh, Joel is the only, <coughs> sorry, the only one who knows uh, about this. But in the middle of the night, uh, God woke me up, and I had a dream that I was preaching. I didn't know where. I don't know exactly what I was saying. But I woke up, and it had two verses so specifically on my mind. I didn't prep them. I haven't memorized them. I haven't read them recently. I mean, who wakes, I mean, it was just like, I know God 100% sense that these two. And so I got out of bed, I went and grabbed my phone from the other room, wrote it down, and I was thinking as I was writing it down, if this has anything to do with Sunday's message, I like, my mind's just gonna blow. Like, this is gonna be crazy. So, <clears throat> I looked them up, basically started laughing and crying at the same time. It's one of the few times in my life I can say I 100% know God was saying this to me. So here it is. Even when we were dead in our trespasses made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We could give the whole context there, but I just wanted to read those two. It was just those two. The verse right before it talks about God being rich in mercy because of the love he has for us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. 
Listen, you and I were dead in our trespasses. We were dead. But we're made alive because of Jesus. And if you don't follow Jesus today, you're dead in your trespasses, what the Bible says, but you can be made alive today in Christ. The fullness of life is found in Jesus. Let's pray. God, your word tells us we were dead in our trespasses, but Jesus, you've made us alive. We want to obey you. We want to glorify you as a church. We've got to humbly acknowledge we haven't arrived. Jesus, you've done everything for us. We're dependent on you. And yes, we'll do great works for your glory and for your kingdom and use us. We want to be used. But let us be a a people marked by humility that we would passionately pursue a greater knowledge of you. Not passively, not, oh, I've got to read my Bible today. No, we would passionately and actively pursue you knowing you're better than anything else we could do. That we'd have friends, we'd follow cross-centered, heavenly-minded people, examples. We need people around us. Not only to bring us up, that we could bring up others. Who are people that are pouring into us? And God, who can we pour into? Help us remember we are citizens of heaven, not of this earth. This earth is not going to save us. The things in our world are not going to save us. Help us remember that. And God, help us not lose the wonder of the gospel. I pray this would be a defining moment for everyone right here, right now, to remind ourselves, Jesus, of what you've done for us, and to keep that as the highest priority in our lives every single day. And if we find ourselves getting tempted, God, to start moving on, Holy Spirit, would you bring us back and move us deeper into the gospel? So may we honor you as a people marked that we want to love you, God. We want to love others and lead people to the fullness of life in Jesus. Thanks for tuning in to the Austin Life Church podcast. To help support us, please take a second to rate and review us on iTunes and visit us at austinlifechurch.com.